0: Hey, Don, how are you doing today? For folks listening, Don is actually in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, he was kind enough to take some time to talk to us today. He's there for a tax conference, and I think as many of our audience knows, Don, the former IRS CI chief, now with Castellanos and Fink, but also a advisory board member of AML Rightsource. So, Don, thanks so much. I know you got a lot going on there, but I did want, before it got too far uh, from the event, you testified last week on the Senate and the Senate Committee on Finance on the issue that um, obviously impacts all of us in the AML community, and that is whether or not the um, IRS, and specifically IRS CI, is going to get uh, adequate funding for all the challenges that your former agency has regarding uh, financial crime investigations and, and everything else. So tell us a little bit about the the hearing itself. And then I want to ask you some specifics, because you not only talked about the impact that it uh, can have, uh, lack of resources, but also some of the very uh, high level and high profile cases that the agency has uh, prosecuted the past couple of years that, that point to what I think we all agree is that the main agency for financial investigations, which is your former agency, IRS,
1: yeah, thanks, John. And thanks for the invitation. The the miracles of modern technology, right? That's so, right. Yeah. Um so it, it was an interesting experience. I had the opportunity um when I was chief of CI, I forget the exact date and year to testify, but as I, you know, was they were crafting and putting together this this hearing, and I was invited to attend, it was made very clear to me that this was this was optional. I could say I could say no if I wanted to, which is I had this, you know. It's obviously an incredible honor for me to be able to talk about my former agency in front of the senators and the, you know, Senate Finance Committee. Really highlighting the amazing things, like you said, that IRS CI does that most of the public doesn't even know. When they think of IRS, they certainly don't think about IRS CI. So it's it's um, an incredible amount of preparation goes into that testimony. Of you, as you know, you've done it many times. And, um, you know, again, it gave me an opportunity to really highlight um, and try to set the stage for the important role that IRSCI has, not just in tax administration and being the only agency that can investigate and recommend those crimes to the Department of Justice, but, but more importantly, and I think many of the senators were interested in this, the role that IRSCI plays in the broader the broader financial investigations and criminal investigations uh, as part of, you know, the U S law enforcement team, right? So you've got all these cryptocurrency cases, the role, the role that they play in narcotics enforcement that, you know, most people don't even know that exists. And to me, it's really kind of like the best use of, of government resources where you've got, you know, Certain agencies that have an expertise, but when you bring them together and leverage the skills of multiple agencies, the results are really spectacular. And so that was, a, it, was it was a interesting experience. And I think I escaped um, somewhat unscathed. So. <laughs>
0: you know, we, we've talked before, uh, both at our uh, conferences, the AML Partnership Forum, also webinars uh, that, you know, words, unfortunately, not unfortunate but words have meaning right and so when certain policymakers not all but certain policymakers started the what Ron Ron Wyden calls the fabrication that there's 87,000 armed agents going to bust down the doors at local businesses that it it, it, and resonates with people that already are skeptical and so I think it's it's so important both that in your testimony it was very clear that besides the value proposition of all the things that IRS CI is currently engaged in, you talked about another area, I want to go back to that first point, but another area that is equally important, and that's data analytics. And I know that, um, you know, all of us have had some experience with the IRS in terms of uh, trying to get answers, filing filing our returns, you know, hoping to get refunds in in timely fashion, all that sort of thing. When you don't have the staffing, that's problematic. But the data analytics is a key part. Talk, talk a bit about that and what you told the committee, because I think that's that that's uh, pretty important um, and goes beyond investigations. Yeah, I think the the
1: importance of the data analytics is huge. Right. And
0: and I will say
1: in my written testimony and the comments that I made about it in front of the committee, n- none of this is unique. These are all things that the IRS has you know, abundantly aware of and have made some steps in that direction. But having been, you know, underfunded and having so many employees cut over the last decade, they're just not able to get it done, right? When you're working with a computer system, you know, the filing system that dates back to the the 1960s, it just gives you an idea how backwards the technology really is. And that concept of um, being able to You know, look at tax return data when it comes in, match up information returns, things like 1099s and W-2s. And if you're able to detect, or I should say, if the really smart people and the really strong technology is able to detect anomalies, errors, fraud, very close to the time that a return is filed, there's more probability that, you know, if you just make a mistake, you transpose something on an inform, you get a 1099 and you put the wrong number in there. Right now, the matching you know takes a, a fair amount of time at the IRS. If you could do that very quickly, and that you had the opportunity to to correct that error and refile the return, it's less human resources, right? If you can have technology intervene more, and those very expensive resources of having to send a civil employee out, you know, to your house because they can't get in touch with you to resolve something on your tax return. Um, there's just, there's no end to the, to the possibilities there. And if you think about, you know, the listeners, what you're used to in interacting with your bank and your financial institution, I, right. I can't tell you the last time that I stepped foot in a bank, right? Everything you do is by chat or it's on the phone or you're able to do it on the app. And that, I, I think, again, that's not a, a unique concept. That's where the IRS wants to go. And there's so many possibilities from a customer service side and being able to interact with taxpayers in, in, in a whole different different kinds of ways that people want to interact with the, with the IRS, uh, but also in fraud detection, both in determining, you know what is the best use of resources for civil auditors to conduct audits where is potential fraud that may rise to the level that involves like IRSCI investigators?
0: Yeah, you, you know, I, I think people don't don't think enough about that. And uh, also the way that you characterized uh, the data analytics, like, you, like you've just said, you, you could focus on, uh, my words, the more comprehensive or the more serious activities, you don't have to deal with some of the other ones. I also was very surprised because I had, no reason to ever ask this question, but according to your testimony and the, and the information that you guys have, uh, voluntary compliance rate is estimated to be roughly 84 percent, which um, I think is p- pretty decent. I mean, you want one in the 90s, but I, I, I probably would have guessed less than that just based on, you know, anecdotal stuff you read in the paper. But and, it, and, and also you say that according to every uh, one percentage point in level of compliance costs, U.S. approximately. billion. And then, you know, the fact that if corporations skirt their tax obligations, uh, it costs even more. So, you know, this is a win, you know, I I hate using jargon, but this is a win win for the public, right? Because if we deal with economic challenges, we deal with debt issues, what have you, if the IRS is at full strength, but better than they are today, then you can deal with not just the criminal issues that you just said, but sort of the rather innocent mistakes that that can be made so i i think that becomes pretty important we only seem to focus on one or the other we don't focus on that but um long way of getting back to the issue of financial investigations you have in your testimony a list of some pretty compelling cases um some i'm sure occurred while you were there in some sense talk talk a bit about that and what we should be uh uh, focused on in terms of successes. and then I'll ask you the age old question I've asked Jim Lee and others and, and yourself the value proposition of of uh, BSA data, which you do reference as well. But some of those cases, which ones uh, maybe people might not be aware of?
1: Yeah, quick quick point on the on the um, line of questioning just on the tax gap. There was a lot of questions at my testimony about the tax gap and in, in particular, you know, the the prior commissioner had testified that he believed the tax gap, which is estimated in the 500 billion per year, could right. be as high as a trillion a year. And he attributed it to things like cryptocurrency and things like that. And I would agree with you. Eighty four percent, I think, in the in the realm of developing nations is pretty good. Um, there's always opportunities for improvement. You know, I think where a lot of the, a lot of the compliance is lacking is you know that i think the evidence points to high net worth individuals i think a lot of opaque transactions i don't know how many times you and i have talked about beneficial ownership shell companies things like that but when you have these structures where there's no information reporting you know you're it's a pass-through entity it's a partnership things like that there's more risk that there's potential non compliance so um, on the case side yeah i mean there's there's so many impactful cases that irsci has had over the years just from you know you could pick any year any decade really high impact um uh, you know tax cases and then yeah, I think the yeah the one- i don't
0: i don't want to interrupt you but the brockman one i hadn't heard yeah. of and i'm looking i'm looking at your testimony now and i know that he passed away the ceo of a software company this is a great example i think of what doesn't get the 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 sort of press coverage i'm sure it was in the press somewhere but i certainly don't remember this he he was indicted for tax evasion wire fraud and money laundering and it was a decades-long scheme to conceal two billion dollars in income yeah. from the irs and obviously with the lack of data analytics it's, i would say it's not it's not uh, uh the fault of the irs for missing some of these things but that to me uh, again some of these other ones i've heard of but th- that's pretty compelling uh, examples of of what, not what you're missing, because you eventually uh, were able to indict them, but still, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's billions with a B, right? It, it yeah. is a staggering amount of money. And I think, you know, you've got a a relatively small workforce of 2,100 IRS special agents as compared to the population and the, the number of returns that are filed, all of those cases in there would really, you know, qualify as quote unquote, like white collar economic crime cases. And you have to realize that, you know, compared to the amount of crimes that are occurring and the level of financial crime and economic crime, you can't, you can't prosecute every case, right? The, the investigative resources are in high demand. And then every case that's worked has to have a prosecutor, another very expensive human resources. So it's not just you know, IRSCI's goal of publicity and deterrent effect, but that's really across the board in federal law enforcement. You have to pick and choose. And really what you make, you want to make sure that you have, you know, there's 94 judicial districts. So you want to make sure you have a good cross section of cases in each of the judicial districts. And you're, you're hitting different socioeconomic levels and different professions because you don't want a situation where you know you're like the Brockman case that you described that the irs is only prosecuting billionaires right there's right, got to right. be this if you want to have healthy voluntary compliance rates you've you have to know i used to say you have to be able to see yourself in the case right if you're a if you're a cpa and you have your own practice and you read an article about a cpa that that was you know convicted and sentenced to jail for tax crime you may think twice when you're preparing your own tax return right so that's um, you know that—that's really the idea on on all of the cases that are selected and and worked with the dep- with the Department of Justice.
0: you yeah, going back to Senator Wyden's opening comments. He also adds the IRS uh, CI is working with partners in Ukraine to go after those that are evading sanctions on Russia. I did notice, but in addition to that, there's a whole section in your testimony on another issue that challenges the AML community and kleptocracy. And so, um, you know, looking at Russian oligarchs, not just to evade sanctions, but to just facilitate the illegal movement of funds. And that CI is an active participant in the Klepto Capture task force by DOJ. So that's another example. Actually, um, I'm not sure when this will post, but we're going to do a webinar this week that you'll also be part of about private public partnerships right. and, and the, and the public partnerships between IRS and the other agencies is pretty important, but your folks are part of that. And that has a whole host of uh, value propositions, training Ukrainian agencies uh, that you're doing on crypto issues, asset seizure. So to talk a bit about that role that IRS plays in the global, uh, everything's global obviously, but kleptocracy is particularly global. So talk a bit about that and your experiences there and and now your colleagues and how they're doing it.
1: Yeah, that was another, it was hot off the press when I was testifying. I think it had occurred that week or the week prior. So Mm -hmm. just a a fantastic news story about getting together and being able to train the investigators and provide them with licenses to, to um, to be able to do some of this investigating themselves. But it's another, that kleptocracy is another great example of, you know, the, the whole of government approach, which to me is kind of evolving into this, um, you know, law enforcement agencies that have their skills and abilities in special jurisdictions like IRSCI. Then you've got FBI and HSI that have a much larger footprint around the world and are able to do some things internationally that maybe CI can't do then all of the cases required Department of Justice resources. So you've got this, you know, team forming. And I think the piece that's been missing over the years is really the is is the partnerships, the private partnerships and the ability, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it would have been unheard of for law enforcement to work at that level of cooperation together amongst themselves in the federal government, let alone with private industry that now with technology and things like cryptocurrency and this that require this special skill, being able to partner with private industry is to me, been like, you know, an incredible ingredient for success to be able to move these cases a lot faster. But yeah, that's another example of, you know, if you want to address the problem, you know, worldwide, you got to bring in the best financial investigators. So I think that's a good example.
0: You know, um, Silk Road is a couple of years uh, uh, old now. Uh, Bitcoin, Hamas, you have both of those are listed in your testimony. I would urge everybody, and we'll, we'll certainly link your testimony to this, to this uh, conversation. But going back to the crypto space, you know, we just, um, and you have as well, we've been to a couple of uh, forums and conferences, and there's always a panel or two on cryptocurrency, and people are still sort of learning their way around it. But I noticed in your testimony when you talked about the cryptocurrency uh investigations that there's something called an advanced collaboration and data center acdc which is interesting
1: uh right uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. but, they uh, made up
1: that name after i left also yeah you. yeah
0: so <laughs> yeah. Talk, talk a little about that you do reference it in the testimony so people can get more detail but i thought that was a pretty interesting resource addition that um uh, that your colleagues have put together
1: yeah, that gets back to the discussion about data analytics. And it's, it's not just data analytics around tax cases or non-tax cases. It's really designed to be this collaboration center where you've got agents and you've got analysts and data scientists and you've got multiple agency participation, um, you know, to be, just be able to leverage this, you know, the billions of, of records that are out there in a more collaborative, you know, environment with private public partners and, and the, the resources of the agencies. It's, um, you know, I know HSI has a similar type of uh, facility, FBI. So it's, you know, this is just the latest with, with IRS getting into that game and really, you know, doing everything they can to, to leverage those, you know, that, that, just unbelievable volume of, of data and information that's out there.
0: You know, you uh, you've been kind enough to uh, come to the class that I teach at George Mason to do previous interviews, and and Jim Lee has also talked about this. But I, I think it's always important to give folks with your experience a, a chance to spend a couple of minutes on the value proposition of BSA data, because as we know, the uh, AMLA law of a couple of years ago. Part of its uh, outputs are going to be studies on value. And I know that Jim Lee put together um, some great data fairly recently. It's on the IRS website. We've certainly talked about that. Uh, But just high level, you know, the the Bank Secrecy Act is broader than people understand it to be. It's a whole series of laws and regulations really since the mid 80s, around since 70, but really didn't start getting juiced until the mid 80s. Uh, but as you are advising clients, as you do in your current role, um, wh- what do you tell them when they say, and it does, it does get said from time to time, you know, we file all these SARS, uh, It's a black hole. Uh, we don't find out if our stuff is worth anything that those are people that obviously don't have relationships with law enforcement and can't call people or talk to them. Cause you'll get, you'll get some good feedback if you do that. But what do, you, what do you tell them, besides the pure st- stats? You can you can give them data, but what what do you tell them about the overall value proposition of a good, robust BSA program?
1: I, I think, you know, so first, kudos to, to Chief Lee and CI, because I think that's the first, you know, the, there's always been stats, but raw stats by themselves don't tell much of a story. So I think that's really the the first time that the stats have put in really put in context for the industry about how important it is. I know CI is really, you know, and I believe this firmly, the largest user of the BSA data and the important thing about um, that BSA data, particularly in the context of financial crimes is, is the suspicious activity reports, right? That's like the most valuable not to take away from the importance of the other Right. Other reports. But it's not just a direct link in that, uh, you know, a banker files, a SAR gets filed on an individual. That individual is investigated and gets incarcerated. That happens. And the stats support that. There's direct connections. The other piece that's that's as critical, especially, you know, goes back to the data analytics discussion is. Some of those SARs are incredibly detailed and the financial institutions do a great job. When you've got things like uh, Bitcoin wallets and crypto addresses and IP addresses and, and all of this you know, granular detail that's put in SARs, IRS and the other agencies all data mine these SARs. So it's not like old school where you've got people just flipping through the paper files. Um, they're doing that. Plus, they're scouring all that information and it's searchable and they can, you know, so often what what doesn't get discussed is that one nugget of information, the IP address, the name of a witness, you know, some partial information in SAR narrative. Right. That connects an investigator to a witness or some critical piece of information that becomes, you know, a big piece of of the investigation. That's really hard to quantify. Right. But it definitely happens.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you're right about what Jim does. And I know in the early days, FinCEN had their SAR activity review, which I I bemoan the fact they no longer produce that. They they do produce statistics, so that that part becomes important. Um, Let me get you out of here on this one. And this is more a – this isn't an Oprah Winfrey question, but (laughs) you guys and gals have worked so hard in your careers – at IRS, uh, doing the mission of the American people. What, what do you what do you feel when you hear, you know, these silly commercials that say, "Ah, oh, the IRS is going to get you. You have to come use our service," or you hear the eighty seven thousand armed agents, and just it's so easy uh, for some to attack. Internal Revenue Service. Nobody wants to pay taxes. But when you explain to them where they go, what the value is and what it produces, you get sort of different answers. But how do you folks manage that? I mean, obviously you do. So you do your job regardless. But for the men and women at the IRS, give us a sense of how how they react to this in their day to day lives, because it's got to at least bug them to some degree.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. And if you're up watching infomercials like that late at night, that means it's time to go to bed. First of all, <laughs>
0: That's right. yeah. no but those
1: things are. I mean, it comes with the territory. Look, I did yeah. it for thirty years, and you're as an as an IRS employee, you have to have thick skin. You recognize yeah. that you're not going to be the most 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 popular person at a party, right? So. But it is you have to think about the importance of the role that they play, and it's whether whether you're on the CI law enforcement side or you're answering phones, just how important that is to the to the American public, right? It collects the vast majority of money, like ninety eight percent of the revenue that funds our military and our infrastructure and all these things that makes America such an amazing place. Right? It's necessary, and this investment, you know, it really is this you know, down payment on rebuilding the IRS uh, is it, just so critical. And I'm really hopeful that, that uh, it stays on the table because I know there's going to be incredible oversight of the money and it's going to be used very judiciously. And I'm hopeful that, you know, four or five years from now, We start to see, you know, massive changes in the in the way the IRS does their business and your ability to be able to reach out reach out to them seamlessly. But yeah, the. the, the narrative about the 87,000 agents is just straight up false. You know, they right. are the armed agents. There's 2100 sworn law enforcement agents. Right. They only work criminal investigations. They don't do any civil auditing. They don't do audits and things like that. So, again, yeah. hopeful that, that this uh, this this plays out the way I hope it does play out. And uh, the return on the investment, again, if it's going for enforcement or service, answering the phones, technology, you know, it really is. It's returned in many, many multiples over, I think, for the American people. So uh, cautiously optimistic.
0: Well, well, we'll end it there, Don. Couldn't have said it better. Obviously, thanks for everything you've done and what your current colleagues are doing. They're doing a tremendous amount of work. And I know the AML community and the private sector uh, is is very much uh, on the side of our law enforcement partners, and we have to continue to do that uh, for a variety of reasons that you've outlined. So, for uh, uh, for folks that haven't had a chance to look at it, the testimony, is from May sixteenth, twenty twenty three. Several other witnesses as well. We will we will link to that on the website. Don Fort, enjoy the rest of your time in Portugal. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time and safe travels.
1: Thanks again, John. I appreciate the opportunity.